walking as we are now, we're on the tops and I guess this is the landscape, the big skies and the, the rolling hills that inspired Hockney. But we're, we're going to get down into the dale, uh, towards Wormdale. And uh, I think that's when you really feel kind of hidden away. And the thing with the walls is you, you're going down rather than climbing up. So it's a kind of topsy-turvy uh, landscape, really. This is a lovely path and we're, we're going to, um, we're actually heading down along a footpath into the dale now and uh, we're actually going to come across one of the dew ponds here and I think what you notice about the, the Yorkshire Wolds is that no water runs through the valleys, it's a chalk landscape so they're very deep dry valleys which drain, drain the water so effectively. So these dew ponds are man-made. They were created in the 18th century, mainly as, as water for, for um, livestock. And they've now become sort of heritage, I guess, sites really, because they uh, provide habitats for newts and, and other small, small animals. We should come across one quite soon, just on the other side of the gate. Oh, this is a beautiful view. Look at this. Hello, I'm Liv Bolton, and you're listening to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire you to make the outdoors a bigger part of your life. In this episode, I go for a walk in the beautiful Yorkshire Wolds with Sarah Banks. Sarah's a journalist and writer, and she's just spent 18 months researching and writing The Wild Guide to North East England. She's explored a thousand different wild spots for the book, from lakes and rivers for swimming to hidden meadows, beaches and ancient ruins. That sounded so much fun, I knew I had to chat to Sarah to find out how she did it and all the adventures she had along the way. But before we get to Sarah's story, I wanted to say thank you so much to all of you who've listened to the first three episodes of Series 8, with Carla Corey, who's one of only two black female mountain leaders in the UK, Elise Wortley, who follows in the footsteps of female explorers of the past and who survived for weeks on her own in the Canadian wilderness for the TV survival series alone, and Katie O'Neill Gutierrez, a mum of two who founded the Blaze Trails parent and baby walking community. If you enjoyed the episodes, it would be wonderful if you could subscribe or write a review on Apple Podcasts about The Outdoors Fix. And please feel free to recommend it to your family and friends. Thank you. I also want to thank the outdoor footwear company Merrill for kindly supporting The Outdoors Fix. Their backing makes this podcast possible and they always allow me the freedom to find the people and stories I think are important to showcase. Do check out their Merrill Women's Speed Eco Waterproof Hiking Shoes. I spent the summer in them and they are incredibly comfortable. Merrill have offered listeners of The Outdoors Fix a 20% off discount on their products at merrill.co.uk. So just use the code OUTDOORS20, which is valid on one product per person until the 31st of December 2023. Anyway, back to Sarah. Don't miss her suggestions for her must-visit adventure spots in North East England at the end of the episode as well as a minute of the sounds of nature for a little bit of escapism in your busy day. So here's Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the Outdoors Fix podcast. It's so lovely to have you a part of it. 
Thank you for inviting me. I was just uh, delighted when you emailed me to say you'd like me on your uh, on your podcast. Thank you. I love listening to it, so it's it's wonderful to be a guest on it. You're very kind. Yeah. Would you like to describe to the listeners whereabouts we are in the country, and also where we're sitting right now? Yeah. So we're we're in the Yorkshire Wolds, which is um, East Yorkshire. It's it's quite a hidden part of Yorkshire. We started out in a little village called Thixendale. Uh, we've walked up Huggett Hill, and um, we're now sitting on the top of the dale um, looking down at Wormdale and Thixendale. Uh, we're actually looking down on a, you can see in the distance, a swirly sort of pattern in, in the earth um, and that's actually an art installation. It's uh, one of the art installations that's along the world's way and it's, it's just a, a gorgeous sort of intersection of different valleys that you can walk through and it's, it's one of my favourite spots here. Oh it's really yeah. beautiful. I've never been to this part of the world before and I mean it's quite a cloudy and a little bit rainy day but actually we're, we're sort of getting the gap in the gap in the rain yeah, clouds at the moment. It's atmospheric isn't it so yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is and it's very green it's um, midsummer and we've got beautiful green lush fields with sheep and hedgerows and there's so many beautiful wildflowers in these meadows. It's a lovely spot. Thank you for yeah. picking it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm just talking of wildflowers. I'm just looking around us, and I think the yeah. chalk soil. It's one of the things that's quite special here. It's anyone who loves uh, loves sort of um, seeking out wildflowers. There are lots, lots here at this time of year. So we've picked the perfect time, and, and butterflies as well, obviously attracted to them. So and we've already seen a hare and a kestrel. We have. Yeah, we've seen a hare, a kestrel, a buzzard. Oh, it's a very, very lovely spot, and I'm thrilled to be here because this is is one of your spots in your book that you've just published yeah. which is the wild guide to northeast england well congratulations on that thank you very much so <laughs> yes it's uh, yeah very exciting that it's out there and um people are already buying it and out there enjoying it oh, so no, it's, it's, it's wonderful so. and so can you tell the listeners why this part of the country you chose what it contains and what its aim is yeah so the 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 wild guide it's part of a series of books published by wild things publishing and their remit is to get people into the out into the beautiful outdoors the books are very photogenic so they have lots of photos to inspire people and I'd I'd already got a couple of these books and uh, I noticed that there wasn't one for for say Yorkshire northeast Yorkshire um, so this is what I pitched two years ago um, and the publishers came back to me quite soon afterwards and said we've been dying to do a book for the northeast for a long time would you consider including Northumberland and North Pennines as well so I sort of with a gulp I said uh, yes of course and I, I lived in Northumberland before here so it's a part of the world that I love as well so uh, uh, that began my adventures of uh, discovery so which parts of the country does the northeast England cover in the book yes yeah, so the the book it starts up in Northumberland North Northumberland on the Scottish borders it runs right down to Spurn Point so you've got the whole of the coastline you've got the North Pennines which is again it's quite a hidden area um, it's kind of north of Barnard Castle up through Middleton and Forest in Teesdale kind of borders Cumbria and the Dales but that's a really beautiful part of northeast England um, well worth exploring if you if you love wilderness um, it also takes in the north york moors the vale of york and of course here the the yorkshire wolds and east yorkshire as well so it's a huge area and so what would you say to the listeners the book contains like 
you know, you've got a thousand places in there. I can't quite believe all yeah. um, things to do in this book. Yeah. So it started off, um, I think my my original sort of, um, I was asked to do 700 places and I kept, I, I, I kept get growing and growing and I, I emailed the publishers. I said, I've got a few more, what shall I do? They went, keep adding in, it's fine, we can add more pages. So it grew to this 1,000 listing uh, book. Effectively, it's hidden places, so it can be um, beautiful valleys like this, it could be lost ruins, holy wells, wild swimming spots, hidden beaches, ruined castles, ruined churches, um, stone circles. So that that's all the places that you can visit, the blue and green spaces, but it's also got the best places to eat and sleep locally nice. as well, with, yeah. with good seasonal local food, uh, camping glamp sites, youth hostels, cabins. So it's kind of a ready-made holiday for you, really. You yeah. can pick it up and you can plan a trip, as, as a couple of people have, have mentioned that they've done. So yeah, it's well, lovely it's, to hear that. It's a fantastic guide. And this part of the country, honestly, I didn't really know very well. And also, I would say that it's not somewhere that I would immediately go for some of my outdoors adventures, but looking through the book it really surprised me at the beautiful beaches in this part of the world and the countryside and you know all these little wild swimming spots why do you think the northeast of england is is special for adventure i think it's special if you love the hidden place and it's exactly what you've said that it's not your first port of call when you think of where am i going to go for um, some beautiful beaches some gorgeous walks some hills to climb but it's it's got all of those things and I think sometimes perhaps people think the northeast it has these sort of connotations of being more industrial and there are little industrial pockets but even within those areas they're being rewilded you know sort of old train tracks have become fantastic cycle and walking routes beautiful sort of woodlands are being restored um, the beaches are I mean there must be about over 200 miles of gorgeous beaches wow. coves sandy beaches so fantastic for surfing um, paddle boarding swimming I think it is it's still a hidden gem and maybe it gets overshadowed by the the Lake District the yeah. Yorkshire Dales the Peak District mm. but the, the North York Moors is a national park itself and uh, really worth worth exploring um, and I guess I people are very much getting more into their sort of doorstep adventures mm. and it's nice to explore a different part of the country which isn't such a honeypot area yeah I think definitely and I think just you said about exploring on your doorstep a few people have actually messaged me and said gosh we didn't even realize that's just down the road from us or we never knew about that so it's a book that's great for local people but also for people visiting this part of the world and you can I guess with Northumberland and North Yorkshire you can do it all in one trip it's all it's all doable so and you can combine coast and country so uh, I think all I can keep reiterate it's such a hidden area really well i can't wait to talk to you about how you actually wrote the book and the process of that but before we get to that i'd love to know a bit about your background yeah. and your outdoors life so where did you grow up and were you always quite outdoorsy? So I, I was born in Yorkshire and then when I was about four we moved to North Wales to the Vale of Clwyd and that's probably when our real sort of outdoor life began. It was a beautiful part of the world and uh, so we, we weren't, as, as children, we, I've got two, two brothers, so we weren't outdoorsy in that my mum and dad were high, we were hiking all the time but we were outdoors in that we spent a lot of time outdoors. One of the cottages we lived in Wales had a, had a river running through the garden so I would 
paddle and swim in that. My brothers would t- trout tickle. So we, we spent lots of time outdoors. Then we moved down to Oxfordshire, um, back to Wales and then back to Gloucestershire. So again, w- I did move around a lot. Now, when we were in the Cotswolds, we, my mum and dad went through a bit of a phase of the good life. They were kind of... Um, <laughs> Tom and Barbara and we accumulated program. lots of animals Aww. so that was probably the outdoorsy so I had a very naughty pony that chose the walks we went on a goose that got stuck in the in the branches of a, a tree that my dad had to chop the tree down so to <laughs> extract the goose ducks that my mum allowed to swim in our bath in our bath in the bathroom which she'd never do now but I think when you're younger you probably indulge your kids by doing things like that so it was very outdoorsy in that respect really but then you became a city girl in London I did I believe and then you yeah you lived in London and then you moved to Newcastle in your journalism work how did you end up in North Yorkshire so I yeah I I mean I loved London I went when I was 18 I I couldn't wait probably like a lot of people I wanted the bright lights and uh, so I lived there for probably about 10 years I I got a job on the local newspaper and the training that you did for that was up in Newcastle so I went to do that for four four months and I was kind of a little bit oh gosh I, you know, I've got my life in London I really could do without I've got my flat and four months in Newcastle but I went went up that and I loved Newcastle I loved the countryside around it um, and one very special thing, obviously, is I, I met my husband on Aww. that trip. Then I, I had to make the decision as to where would we live. And I was ready to leave London at that point. So we moved to a, a place just out called Corbridge, outside New, um, Newcastle. Again, beautiful sort of Northumberland landscape. And that's probably when my sort of love affair with the outdoors was resurrected again, really. You know, we started off by doing walks and then we had kids. And I think with kids, you... The best thing you can do with them is get outside. Mm. It's a lot easier than being sort of inside and everyone going a bit stir crazy. So um, it's it's a it's a playground for them, you know, sort of streams to play in, hills to scramble up, trees to climb. It's 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 life's much easier. And so you mentioned to me that there was a particular walk you did with your mum that yeah. really you think got you far more into hiking and the outdoors. What yeah. was that? So that was the Cleveland Way. So my mum Mum and Dad, um, as I say, as they, as we, we sort of left home and in their fifties, they became members of the Ramblers. And my dad was a, a chairman of the local Ramblers group, so they were. They, this was a big, big part of their life and friendship groups, actually. So I used to go on some of the walks with them, and then my mum and I had this idea that we'd walk the Cleveland Way. And I was, you know, I was a little bit constricted with work and, and family, so a way to do it was to do it in day stages. So we, we kind of we could either get buses uh, to our starting point or we got lifts and we did it in about 10 or 11 sections it's um, about 109 miles isn't it, it is yeah. yeah and it starts in a little village a little town well village town market town called helmsley and it kind of goes in a horseshoe up through the north york moors up to saltburn and then down the coast so i think that really whet my appetite for hiking I thought I was going to really look forward to the the coastal route which I did but I loved the moors as well and I loved the sort of wilderness of those so I think that really opened up a whole new world and it was such an achievement when we'd finished that so absolutely and to do it with your mum must have been a lovely bonding experience it was and we, a few couple of years later we then went on to do the Wolds Way and that's where we're sitting now we we actually walked 
past here on uh, that's a 79 mile route and that starts uh, on the Humber and passes through some of the most beautiful valleys of the Wolds. So if, if you want to explore the Yorkshire Wolds, that's that's a really gorgeous walk to do. Oh, so it's lovely. Really lovely. So you're getting outside more with your mum and hiking yeah. with your family and your three sons. Yes. Yeah. What is it about the outdoors that makes you keep going back? I think there's a real feel-good factor to being outdoors and I think as anyone knows when you do a long walk and you get home that evening and you're shattered but you wake up the next day and you want to do it again so I think it's addictive I think it's fabulous for, for your clearing your head for your mental health as I say but that's such a, an important thing that we're, we're talking about now and I think it's one of the best ways to feel better um, you know you might wake up with a problem in the morning but I, I swear you go for a walk and think it through and your head will be clearer or you'll make decisions on that walk so I think for me that's it's a detox as well isn't it as well I mean I think we're here and we probably haven't got any signal on our phones so uh, and that's one thing I do when I do go out I kind of I want to preserve battery power on my phone so I do turn everything off mm. so you're just not disturbed by little pings on notifications on your phone so oh, I will absolutely agree with all yeah, those points yeah um so getting on to your book then yeah. the wild guide to northeast England tell me how that came about because from what we discussed before um you had written a book when you were younger but it was yes. on something very different yes and so how did it come for you to write an outdoor book yeah so I I'd written a guidebook to Greenwich sort of many many years ago and then I'd trained as a journalist and so that's that's been my work you know journalist on it as a staff writer and then um, when I had my children um as a sort of freelance feature writer and I I then kind of threw into the mix a few years ago I I've always loved photography and I thought I want to get technically better with my photographs so I signed up for the Institute of Photography's diploma of course it took me about two years to do it was an online course took me through various sort of lessons um, so I was able to offer photography with my writing so so that's kind of how I sort of combined those two and I, I'd, I'd sometimes write about people living in the country and take photographs of them and then I think it must have been just after lockdown so it was 2021 when I pitched this book to Wild Things really and again yes I had written this book before but it wasn't it was a smaller book it wasn't mm. on a scale of the the wild guide and I don't suppose I really thought about how I would do it or how you go about doing a book like that I just pitched it and maybe half of me thought oh they won't get back to me anyway yeah. and they did yeah fantastic um, yeah. Um, so I mean you hadn't you hadn't had a whole lot of experience with it so no. I'm seriously impressed that you had the idea and you spotted that there was a gap in the market yeah. for the northeast of England like you said they've done different areas and regions yeah. of the UK um, I mean that's you know the courage to do that sometimes yeah. I think credit to wild things for trusting me to do it and I and I'm sure in the early days when we were kind of you know I was just emailing a little bit this is what I'm doing I'm sure Daniel was thinking does she really know what she's doing can she really do it I think because also a lot of the other guys have been written by two and three people so this was uh, one written by one woman actually so it was, um, it was quite different in that respect and it obviously grew grew a lot bigger than perhaps the, the area that Wild Things had, had thought how the area it's like we've we said before didn't we people don't necessarily know this area mm. and uh, 
and it is quite some places are very remote so you don't quite realize how far you have to travel to get to places when you then were commissioned yes how did you do you remember the feeling because did you sort of feel like oh my goodness now i've got to go and write it yes i did i think i said <laughs> omg it was sort of oh crikey right okay and i think i you just do that you plonk yourself on the sofa i sort of looked at my husband right and he went okay he said yeah you've got to do it now so so that was it and uh, yeah it is what you say you you have that little doubt don't you but then you think no I'm going to really do this and I'm going to make a really good job of it and I think that was the kind of thought I had really that I wanted to do the best I could do with it. Yeah I mean in terms of the actual process then so you say initially that you started off with about 700 places or listings you were going to go with but it grew to a thousand. Yes. How do you go about finding a thousand places? Where do you know where to start? So I again I think maps are fantastic so the OS maps. Um, I read a lot of books. I read other guidebooks. I read sort of history books. I read kind of there's lots of sort of nature books, sort of nature memoirs mm. now. So I read those as well, which the, people give a more personal sort of kind of take on how they feel about nature. It started life as a, a very boring Excel spreadsheet, yeah, really. We all love a yeah, spreadsheet. So a spreadsheet, so it's, it's a database is how it begins. And you start with look, thinking, well, I'm going to look at, first of all, East Yorkshire, let's say, yeah. and I'm going to look at Holy Wells in East Yorkshire. Okay. So you, you would read up any of your books about that and you'd find where they are on the map, map and I plot them all in, in on the spreadsheet what it is and a short description and I'd go that's how I'd go through the process of it um, I'd google there are lots of little niche groups who are into documenting holy yes. wells who are into documenting stone circles yeah. who are into preserving little ruined chapels or who um, document or walks that they go on you know even hidden beaches and I asked people as well you know sort of I was chatting to people who might who might be little sort of experts in a certain area so that's kind of how it began really and that's how the spreadsheet grew from one to 700 and then ah. on to a thousand so you've got your spreadsheet then so I yes. assume you're compiling your spreadsheet before you go out and explore yes. these places so then once you've got your spreadsheet how did you go and do it so it took you 18 months are you going out for weeks at a time or is it day trips so what with that spreadsheet I exported it onto Google Maps and I also plotted it very carefully on um, it's a mapping app called memory map where you can really get that find where you think something is because of course the thing is not everything was where I originally thought it was and when I got there it was in a different place so that's why you have to get out and check everywhere because you want to make those mistakes before you're readers do really so um so then i i would i'd I'd have my my little my google maps and i'd have an area and i'd decide some i could do from home so within a two-hour radius i would get to in day trips and i would combine so i'd have an itinerary for that day and i'd think well that's near there and i'll go there first and then i'll go there and take the photographs hoping for good weather as well and i think i was blessed with the weather in the the two years or whatever the two summers that I was doing the book and taking the photographs and then the places that were further afield I I camped um, and that was for a few days I stayed in youth hostels which were a revelation they were great we did week-long trips as a family we did a few of those and I'd get up early in the morning go out leave the teenagers at home pick them up at midday for the next shift to come out as well so yeah it was uh, that's kind of how 
how I did it. Oh, so. it's brilliant adventures for yourself as well. For yeah, it was, months. and I think it was. Um, you know, I always thought, oh gosh, am I dragging everyone along to this? Uh, and I dragged some friends along as well, who were very sort of willing companions. But I think everyone who came along really enjoyed it. And again, the, my three sons, you know, they're teenagers, like every teenager. They 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 lie in. They're on their tech, but they 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 loved a challenge of finding somewhere. Because yeah. I'd say we're out to find this, or we're looking for this waterfall. And who, who wouldn't just love sort of discovering? It is an adventure, isn't it? Tell me about some of the favourite places that you found, a kind of variety of places. So my favourite, well, I, I do love Northumberland and I think the, the Cheviot Hills in Northumberland mm. are really beautiful. And in particular, the College Valley. And that's, uh, it's a beautiful valley of, of the Cheviot Hills that you walk through and it leads you to this uh, a waterfall called the, the Three Sisters Waterfall. It's a really beautiful trail, a really hidden valley, and I think that that's probably one of my favourites. The Simon Side Hills as well in the in Northumberland, steeped in folklore and legends, mm. lots of sort of mythical Northumberland boulders with stories just attached to them. I love the Durham Heritage Coast; it was beautiful, lots of wildflowers there, and of course they were notorious black beaches, sort of ruined by coal about fifty years ago, right. but they've been cleaned up now and it's a really gorgeous coastline to visit and you're you know you you can be living in the city and you could be there in half an hour you know that that yeah. on your doorstep i love the east yorkshire coastline flamborough which is lots of caves coves um sea stacks which is really beautiful mm. somewhere like spurn point is it's, it's unique really sort of spit of natural sort of spit of land that's about three and a half mile walk down and it's it's one of those places that it might not be there forever you know it's been washed over a few times so um it's definitely worth it it's, it's quite a way to get to but definitely worth a trip the north pennines which i mentioned i think i've mentioned earlier again a really hidden very much like hay meadows very much like the yorkshire dales but very pe not quieter really very mm. peaceful you know so well i love uh, a bit of a wild dip were there any beautiful oh. well which which wild dipping oh. places would you go back to there was a gorgeous waterfall called hethpool lynn um, and it's a photograph in the book and it's the light it, we, we got to it um we'd done quite a long hike into the into the cheviots and the, the college valley and it was just that one more thing and i said oh come on let's just do i've got nearby let's go to it and it was about six o'clock and it was we we found this waterfall let's say and it was it's hidden off a footpath it was the most gorgeous place it was a waterfall that you can swim in in a pool below right up to the falls as so it's hidden away the light on it dappled light it was absolutely beautiful really really lovely very yeah. special memories to share with your family yeah. as well i suppose yeah i think the book is probably um yeah they can sort of look through it and uh yeah in years to come they'll be able to sort of pick themselves out you know yeah so well your sons are in lots were. of the photos so, as well as yourself yes, aren't they? yeah so and of course that went going with myself in the photos and I, I was on my own i had my tripod and yeah. camera with me because when there's no one with you you've kind of got to jump into the photo and be be there because the idea is to have people enjoying themselves yes. so it's nice to have somebody in the landscape but we've got beautiful beaches for swimming as well and there you know we've got and lots of, sort of wild swimming groups a lot along the coast as well yeah so which were your really favorite beautiful. beaches there's places like i do like the the flamber beaches the little coves of thornwick bay is beautiful so you have to clamber behind that and it's almost like a natural amphitheater um, and there's some little sort of rock pools there that you can bathe in um, i love the big northumberland beaches the sort of june fringe beaches are gorgeous 
again the Yorkshire coast Runswick Bay is is lovely and then there's some little coves Port Mulgrave is fascinating it's a bit of a scramble down but um, you you've got these quite unique fishermen's huts that have been built from driftwood down there and that's quite a special place to go I, I think all the beaches and coastal walking I think that as I said the Durham coast is beautiful for walking the Cleveland way goes a lot of the way down down the north North Yorkshire coast and that's really beautiful the up near Saltburn and Skinning Grove is oh, really well, the, pretty yeah. there's lots and lots of inspiration yeah. lots there lots to go by Amazing. there's so Many, yes. Places in your book, are a lot of them accessible? Because that is a big factor yes. for you know trying to encourage everybody to get outdoors. Yes, yeah, so I've tried to, oh, at the end of each listing, there's a walk-in time. Um, so that gives you, you know, there's directions to it. And it'll also say five minutes, 30 minutes. So there are quite a few that are easy to get to. So there's like a hilltop, say up at the Danby Beacon up on the North York Moors. You can walk up to it. But you could also drive right up to it and you can enjoy that view. You could, uh, you know, coastal views, you can sometimes get right up to them and they're, they're easy to, to access. Public transport, there are the Moors bus, there's the Coastliner bus, which is North Yorkshire, which are fantastic uh, buses to get you to these sort of wild places, you know, so you don't have to have a car. You know, are there sort of walks that are style-free yes, that don't have, yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it, to um, style-free walks, and a lot of the coastal walks are style-free. Um, and um, I think some, you'll probably find more up on the, the, the moors that are, but uh, I think the other thing is that there's, we're probably quite lucky up in Northumberland and North York moors, and here, the New York Trolls, we've probably got a huge amount of open access land. Mm. So it does mean that you can wander quite freely. So, you know, where we've come today, you could almost park there and you could just walk. It's quite easy to walk here and for somebody to admire this view as well. Well, yeah, so, you could certainly take a buggy yeah. or a wheelchair yeah, down you this could, bit, couldn't yes, you? Yes, you could, yeah. With just a little bit of effort, you can do that, can't you? So, yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. good. Were there any stressful moments as well doing it? I mean, I imagine that you've got, you know, a, a sort of deadline and you've got a thousand places to yeah. get to. Yeah, what were the stressful yeah. moments? Um, okay, so stressful moments in the field are cows. So I yes. am quite nervous yes. of uh, cows with calves. And one time, my this is one my husband and I, and I, we were out looking for rock art in Northumberland. So yeah. this is this carved prehistoric art. and. It was looked like it was in the middle of a field, and anyway, there was this a few cows dotted around, and anyway, my, my we I suddenly I saw these cows, and my husband said, "Oh, they'll be all right. That's mm. fine. It's all right." Anyway, they started mooing, and oh. then they started gathering, and then they started running towards oh, us, gosh, and no. I was petrified, yeah. and so we ran, and luckily there was a dip like the one we've just got ahead of us, and my husband said, "They're not that intelligent. They won't see us if we run down the dip." So once we were beyond the dip they didn't see us but my heart oh my was in my throat oh, so that's terrifying. I am quite I think that's the thing I'm kind of um you know I'll go I'll go places on my own I'm yeah. quite happy about doing that but yeah I think cows are my sort of in the field stress but mm. the deadline stress yes as it is it kind of got to last summer 
I thought, I'm just not going to get all this done. Mm. I just can't. I've still got places to go and visit and I've got to write it all up. And of course, I couldn't write all my chapters until I'd got Mm. my places and all my listings. So myself and the editor were working together and signing things off. So I think there's nothing like a deadline to actually make you write better, to to be honest. To focus the mind, yeah. I think I'd probably be still writing it now if I hadn't had that deadline. So, And they were quite good at wild things. They said, oh, don't worry, you know, a little get you little if you need a little bit longer just uh, let us know or send some things through so it w- it was fine but yeah what, deadlines are stressful i bet so with the photography then sarah yeah. obviously you could pick your days when you went out yes. but was it quite difficult did you get any i suppose for each of the photos they're all set in the summer and they're all very sunny yes. so were there any times where actually you had to go back out and visit places for the photography yeah i did um and again as you say the photos i think the we really the photo opportunity was from may to october really to get the nice light that that lovely golden hour light if possible but it wasn't possible to take every photo at golden hour but you know tried to take as many as I could I think I was really lucky I think last summer was such a fantastic Mm. summer and the summer before was quite good as well I did have to return to some places and I suppose I did that with places I knew I could get to from home I think when I was far from home up in North Northumberland I kind of thought do you know what this might just be my only opportunity Mm. so I took the photo even like we saw today we the sun's come out now but earlier on it, it, it was a little bit more dull, but there were little pockets of light. So I think you can always find some nice light to, to make a nice photo. And I think that's just going out, isn't it? It's, it's not always a sunny day. Well, I was and, going to ask you about yeah. that because obviously, you know, we want to adventure not just in yeah, the summer, not just thing. in the sun. That's true, yeah. yeah. And I love, I mean, I, I love coming here in the winter. Um, it looks gorgeous in the frost here. It really looks beautiful. And it's, it's kind of quite a dry place to come as well. So, you know, that you'll just have quite an easy easy walk and the trees look gorgeous and I think the landscape can look gorgeous in winter as well and and it's when most of us can feel a bit more glum as well you know it's that winter lack of light so it's it is a time to get out um, and see winter in all its beauty really and I guess the places that you've picked they're very accessible in winter I mean maybe you won't want to do the dipping yes but um, you can still go out there but you can (laughs) still go out there you can have good you you know wrap up warm and I think you don't even need you know the kit you've got you know walking boots and a coat a warm coat that's all you and a rucksack that's all you need so I think all times of year I mean autumn's gorgeous for the autumn colours January lovely sort of frosty frosty mornings and and getting out first thing I think is great if you can do that so it really sets you up for the day oh and often beautiful light at that time as well what are your favourite places to explore from the book in the autumn Um, we've got a night well, where we're actually near the Yorkshire Arboretum where we live and that was I did some beautiful photos of that that's a lovely place to visit with all this, the autumn colours there's, there's a really lovely actually talking of the county Durham and the Durham Heritage Coast there are some coastal deans which are really ancient wooded deans and they've never been tampered with or excavated because they're too steep so they would be lovely places to visit castle eden dean hawthorne dean um they're they're really really lovely so i think it's the sort of the perhaps those wooded places yeah that um where you're going to get the sort of the the light and the and the the color of the leaves and 
trees. Yeah, oh, and there'll so. be lots of cafe suggestions for a nice warm hot chocolate. Yes, and also there's, that's <laughs> right, there's lots of cafes as well. So, And that is when you probably do want to retreat to your cafe. So, uh, yeah. And there's lots of those in the book. Yeah, so. Well, it's a huge effort that, you know, doing a thousand places, what an adventure. So in terms of you having completed it now and looking back, has it made you think differently about the outdoors and adventure? Yeah, I think what it's made me think about is before I started this, I used to go out with friends outdoors, with family, and a lot of the wild guide I spent on my own. And when I started it, I thought, oh, this might be a bit lonely, actually. But I really found that I enjoyed my own company. And I think that's probably a, it's a message to people is to, if you can't find someone to do something on a particular day, do it on your own. Because if you find a beautiful place, you can you know, take your camera, you can bring take the photos and show people when you are back home but there's something quite special about having that that solitude and just doing your own thing and finding your own adventure and not sort of being answerable to anyone else and it's what I did enjoy about the wild guide is that I kind of just went off and I kind of just I said told people you know I said back home where I was going mm. but I, I it really was it was a real adventure I didn't quite know where I'd end up or where I was going really so um, I, I'd sort of recommend people doing that as well not being scared to do things on your own at any age anywhere really so you've written this book do you have any other plans for books of this nature well i am working on another book as we speak okay. which i've already embarked on so it's a wild swimming walks book oh lovely so it's kind of glutton for punishment so i'm kind of uh, at the point of mapping the walks researching it um i set up a facebook group for people to join me on it because this might be a little bit more collaborative mm. it'd be nice to take people and get people's feedback along the way and to have some nice sort of group photographs um and that will be for yorkshire so again it's it's some of the places that are in the book but it's also some uh, west yorkshire south yorkshire so it's, it's it's other other areas really and it's it's probably one of my that i mentioned one of my favorite things to do is to go on a hike can find a lovely swim spot yeah. halfway along or at the end really so that's very exciting so when will yeah, that be out so that will be well again these are about 18 months long so it's probably we're probably talking uh, spring 2025 which seems ages away and it, it always seemed like that with the wild guide when I used to tell people it's out in 18 months time but it comes by so quickly so mm. and I think it takes that time to to research and photograph again because I'll have that window of opportunity between now and October and then perhaps starting again sort of April to October mm. next year so if you could look back at your life and the impacts of the outdoors on your life how would you sum that up um I think as you know as I've got older it's something that I've embraced more and more I think I I started off as a child loving the outdoors which I think all kids do and then I probably went through that phase as you know your late teens your 20s you you want to be in the city and the sort of the bright lights and it's the, the excitement that that brings and then coming back round to getting outdoors again so I think it's it's enhanced my life in in, in so many ways and I I think it's it makes me feel better um, I think it's a lovely activity to do either on your own or with friends which I do a lot with family so I think it's a real way to connect or with groups as well so I think there's all sorts of ways it's 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 such a um, brings brings a lot of sort of um, lovely sort of friendships 
or has brought a lot of lovely friendships my way really that people I've met through through doing the book but through enjoying being outdoors as well so yeah it's it's a huge benefit Sarah, who are the three people, do you think, that have inspired your outdoors adventures then? Okay, so I'm going to couple my parents together as one, okay, if that's okay. Yes, so yes. my dad, my dad's now 82, I mean, he's, he has Parkinson's, so it's very debilitating now with him. Uh, but as I, I mentioned earlier, he was in the Ramblers, he's, he's run the London Marathon wow. twice, he's run half marathons. He was a very fit man. Um, and up till very recently, you know, he was going to the gym three times a week, wow. he was getting for, out to walks in these dales and I think that's really helped his Parkinson's I think he'd be in a much worse place now if he hadn't done all that hadn't been outdoor an outdoors um, person um, my mum as well obviously I've, I've walked the Cleveland way with my mum I've walked the Yorkshire Wolds way with my mum I think that really got me into doing these the long distance trails so uh, I really enjoyed that my second um, it's well I'm probably going going back a little bit a few years it's, I used to love listening to the programme on the radio, Ramblings with Claire Baldwin. Yes, yes. And I think this must be about 25 or 20 years old now. I'd often be going to pick my kids up. It would be three o'clock in the afternoon. It was on the radio and I'd listen to it. And it, it was a little bit like your outdoors fix. You know, you'd be outdoors, you'd hear the birds sing, you'd hear the wind whistling, uh, the rustling of footsteps. Yeah. And she was talking to people outdoors about their life stories. And I love that combination of people's life, lives and um things that have happened out in the outdoors and I think it's what I have said to you about being outdoors it liberates us we have conversations that we might not have sitting face to face with somebody indoors so I'd say that that would be uh, my second one I love that um, yeah. yeah and my third one would be um I would say it's probably the nameless and faceless people behind the OS maps yes. um and I, I love nothing better than spreading out a map and just looking and planning routes or looking at places, which I did a lot when I was researching the Wild Guide and I'm doing a lot now as well for, for my new book. I think, you know, you look at a map and I think you've got this, you know, it's, it's the cost of what? To buy a map, the cost of a coffee and a cake. And you've got in front of you these ready-made adventures that you can create yourself. So I'd sort of say to somebody, learn a bit of basic map reading mm. so you can see where you're you're going to get a beautiful view where you're going to get a lovely walk along a ridge line the bend of a river where you might find a lovely swim spot a waterfall with a beautiful plunge pool um i think it brings it brings all that so i i think yeah the whoever they are and i think there was a chap i did read about it a while ago i think he was called william William Roy I think I've got that right and he he mapped it started off about the 18th century for the military and that's how the OS maps all began and then they kind of spawned into these maps that we use today after the first world war when people wanted to get outdoors and to do hiking so yeah the it's it's the um, the orange uh, explorer maps I think that you want with all the detail on so yeah I mean those people you're totally yeah. right they don't get a big enough shout yeah, out shout they? out to them and I get it, it started <laughs> out yeah it started out and whoever I think it took many many years to map and it's quite interesting when you read about how they actually did it all because you think how the heck do you map every kind of little 
tiny uh, speck on that. I know. that I'd love to have amazing. a conversation with someone who does yeah. that. Maybe that's so, a new, uh, new episode yeah, idea. Yeah, so new episode. <laughs> so I'd say yeah, thanks to them really because I think for all of us they, you know, they they you plan your adventures at home and then they're indispensable in the field when your your phone mapping app doesn't work because there's no reception. So. Uh, <laughs> tips then Sarah I've got a few here yeah. that hopefully you'll be able to okay. shed light on are there any places in the northeast of England that you think just cannot be missed I would say in spring and summer um, the hay meadows of Teesdale are okay. absolutely beautiful and um, they, they're glorious fields of wild flowers that just go on, stretch for miles. Um, I really highly recommend a visit to those. Um, so they're obviously something they're not there all the time but June and July they're really worth seeking out. I would say the Yorkshire Wolds. I'd say this this area is pretty beautiful as well. Um, and I say that it's it's a lot of open access land, and you can just get yourself deep into the dales. I mean, we've only just we're only at the the top of it here. We haven't even got down into the dale, but you can meander along all these sort of either footpaths or open access land. So I'd really recommend the, the Yorkshire Wolds. I would. I, think, I would second that. Yeah. This is actually I'm incredibly surprised at how beautiful this is. I didn't expect yeah. it to be so. Beautiful. I mean, it's it's been uh, that that it's going to become i believe an aonb um uh, and i think there are talks, an talks area about this now area about of standing natural, natural beauty, beauty. Yeah. and not surprising really because i think it really is it's hidden i think i think david hockney and his paintings brought it out into the into to um popularity i mean he'd had exhibitions at the tate in london and uh, and he kind of gave a little taste of what it was like yeah, and obviously inspired here, him he he, yeah. he lived in a place called bridlington which is on the coast here but where we are here he probably painted this view and um, there are lots of lovely dales um around here that he's also painted and he actually sometimes gave them a different name which i think was perhaps to preserve their sort of uh, secrecy really of the hidden so, for him yeah. yes oh that's lovely i'm going to definitely go and visit those meadows yes at some point. but the meadows are beautiful i definitely recommend yeah teesdale yeah. really beautiful and so other tips for you know what what a lot of myself and other listeners find is that the time to get outdoors is the hardest thing sometimes yeah. you feel like actually you don't have time for yes. it are there any tips that you have for getting out a bit more I think sometimes making a habit is quite good, isn't it, to do something. So I I do always start the day with a, a walk in the morning, every mm. morning, no matter how long or short, I do get out. And it really, I don't feel I can start my day. Now, I'm lucky I work on a freelance basis. I can do that and I appreciate not everybody can. Um, but if you're in, at a work and you have a lunch break, can you, can you make that a habit that you get out and enjoy the outdoors in that time? Go with a friend, though it commits yourself, make an arrangement to do it as well. I think that, that makes you makes you do something as well. Um, I think in the summer we're, it's great because we do have the mornings and we have the evenings. And I think sometimes the evening, you know, even as late as sort of nine o'clock at night, you can still, again, close to home, you can get outside and just explore that, that beautiful evening, watch the sunset and, and enjoy that time as well. So oh, you've yeah. still got your day, but you can still enjoy the outdoors well last night when we were coming up here to come and, and talk to you 
uh, it was still light until 10.30 at yeah, night. It was I, beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. I think we do have up here, there are the northern lights. So the little really? bit further that you get, we you can see those. Uh, we've got lots of, in the, uh, which are obviously in, in my book, the sort of dark skies areas of Kielder, right. which are incredible. The North York Moors at Dolby Forest is a dark sky reserve. Um, up in Northumberland, there's a little quarry I've put up there, which is which is good as it's as good as any sort of that, that you'll see in England, really. So the night skies are beautiful here. So perhaps that's another thing. Your adventures don't have to be by day. You can go out and have bike adventures by night, and and few people do run tours actually, night tours where they take you on on uh, visits in the evening or at night really and I guess that brings different sounds to it as well and to kind of improves your night vision as well so oh well um, I mean yeah. the prospect of seeing the northern lights yeah. and beautiful beautiful starry skies yes. well that's lovely well you've given so many amazing suggestions as someone who doesn't know this area very well I am honestly going to be coming up here and exploring oh, well, some of those well thank you I'm really glad I've inspired, inspired you for that well I think so. the whole the whole thing that I like doing with this podcast is to speak to people who are in different areas and hopefully we can all just learn about new places yeah. to explore and as you say they can be accessible by public transport as well as by oh, car absolutely at all yeah. times of the year and seasons so Sarah thank you so much oh, it's been really welcome. lovely to speak well, to you well thank you very much i've loved showing you this part of the world i'm, I'm delighted that you've uh, enjoyed exploring a little bit of it and uh, thank you very much for having me on the podcast not at all really and enjoyed it well it's been fantastic and also i cannot believe we got away with no rain we've got away and the sun <laughs> if you could just see the view and the the light on the dale now it just looks gorgeous, it really is beautiful it? It really is and we've got to finish yeah. our walk so we're, we're going to go down into the dale down into the dale to the little swirls in the grass we're going to look at that little little sort of way marker foot foot uh, path sign down there which uh, leads you in all directions so it's the start of many adventures. Thanks for listening to Sarah's episode. Stick around for the calming minute of nature sounds I recorded recently. To see photos and videos of my recording with Sarah, head to Instagram at The Outdoors Fix. You'll also find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah Banks Photo. Sarah's book, Wild Guide, Northeast England, is available in bookshops or through Sarah's Instagram. Did you know that The Outdoors Fix is now also available as a book? It was my big project last year and it's packed full of 30 of my podcast guest stories, tips and beautiful photographs to show you how to make the outdoors a bigger part of your life. The Outdoors Fix book is available to buy through the link in the podcast show notes below, as well as the Vertebrate Publishing website and in bookshops. Regular listeners of The Outdoors Fix will know that I end each episode with some sounds of nature. So now it's that time to take a short moment to relax and listen to some sparrow birdsong I recorded in Devon. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>